informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Today is Monday, December 18th, 2023. The Feast of the Expectation of Our Lady. December 18th marks the beginning of the last week of Advent, known as the Week of Expectation, leading up to the birth of Christ. Now, the church imagines the jubilation and hope of Our Lady as she awaits the birth of Jesus, envisioning her with excitement and expectation. In fact, she is known during this week as Our Lady of Hope, Our Lady of Expectation, and various other titles Uh, And I think it's a beautiful thing to think of it. But my favorite title of Our Lady during the week of the expectation is Our Lady of the O. (laughs) Oh, you're thinking, that doesn't make any sense. What on earth does that mean? Well, during this week, every day during this week, There is a different antiphon that's sung usually during the office. You may hear it at Mass as well. And it begins with O. And each of these elements starts to pray in a more special way, anticipating the coming of our Lord, the birth of our Lord. And so today, and the first day leading through the for Advent, the last week of Advent, we pray, O Wisdom, O wisdom, thou came forth from the mouth of the Most High, and reaching from beginning to end, thou ordered all things mightily and sweetly. Come and teach us the way of prudence. Now, you would ever, maybe you have heard some of these O before, but usually they're sung, and I would highly recommend looking up the O antiphons on YouTube and listening to them during this week. It's very, very beautiful. In fact, my favorite, and I'll just give them a shout out, is OP Chant. If you look up OP Chant on YouTube, OP does not stand for overpowered. It stands for order of preachers. And if you look up OP Chant, you will find them singing the O antiphons. Now, during our times, I think what's an important thing to keep in mind is Pius XI, in 1937, wrote the encyclical Divini Redemptoris. And in this encyclical, he said, the world was in such a bad state that it was in danger of falling to a state lower than it was before the redemption. Lower than it was from before the redemption. In 1937, we look into our situation today and see how decadence has only risen how immorality has only risen, how things have only gotten worse. So for us, in the days that precede Christmas, these antiphons should express an appeal and a plea to the infant Jesus to hasten a stronger and more triumphant and invincible action to re-implant his kingdom on earth with Mary, in Mary, and through Mary. We should ask Our Lady to obtain this from her son, we also should ask her to increase our hope that this will happen. In this way, we will pass this week in expectation of those graces that Our Lady was waiting 
for the graces of our Lord's coming before the feast of Christmas. So Jesus, Mary, Joseph, pray for us. Joining us right now is Rudy Carlos. Good morning to you, Rudy. Good morning, Adrian. Wow, it's uh, what a gift. And speaking of gifts, have you done all your Christmas shopping yet? Remember when I said that I was going to do my Christmas shopping last week? You didn't do it. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. You know, I think I'm out of time. There are many such cases. But the good thing is that I have a perfect gift that you can give away no to your way. friends All and right, family. Tell me. What, <laughs> what right. can I give them? Listen, you don't even have to go to a store. All you have to do is go to grnonline.com forward slash raffle, and you can pick up a raffle ticket for this brand spanking new 2024 Mercedes-Benz GLB 2050. That's a 250. No GLB in night black. And you can give a gift to all of your favorite people. One ticket is $25, or you can increase your odds by purchasing five for 100 and you can pay it forward. Get one for your friends, your favorite priest, your loved one, an educator, first responder. You can't get it for us, your favorite Catholic drive-time hosts. But yeah, What uh, you can do is you can win it. But you can win it. it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that would be really cool, actually. But you can go to grnonline.com forward slash raffle to find out more information about the car and uh, who you can get it for. Pay wow. it forward this year. Rudy, I'm a little dense. Uh, how do you spell raffle? R-A-F-F. L-E. Thank you very much. GRNonline.com forward slash raffle. My two rules, which I break all the time, is uh, don't spell and don't do math on air because uh, I cannot spell and my math is uh, stuck at a at third grade at this, mo- at this point. So <laughs> praise be to God. Thank you very much. Check that out. And I think it would be awesome if a, if a CDT listener won the raffle. Uh, let that us know. Cool. We've had that happen That's in happened the past. before, yeah. Yeah, so maybe that's the play. CDT listeners are uh, have a greater chance of... No, nah, I'm just kidding. That's not true. But it would be really cool if a CDT listener did, in fact, win the car again. That'd yeah. be super cool. It would be the perfect gift. So go ahead and check that out. $25 a ticket. Very, now, very low barrier to entry. Now, Rudy, did you do anything interesting over the weekend? <laughs> of course. I went Christmas shopping. Did you really? Yeah. Wow, you're ahead of me. For myself. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> That's terrible. My wife uh, was asking me, she was like, what do you want? Like, I don't know. What do you want? I have no I idea. I hate when people say that. Well, what, you surely you want something. Like, yeah, I want a lot of things, but I don't know. And I ended up finding something that I liked. I'll tell you about it in the after show. Okay. Well, I had a really good weekend. On a Friday, I went to go visit my brother. And he is uh, currently on vacation now. He went off to uh, hang out in Florida with some of his friends. Uh, but the we went over. He saw him graduate in the pinning ceremony and all that on Friday, which was really great. Saturday, we hung out and uh, had lunch with the, the priest there. And, oh, I got to serve Mass on Friday. So we're at, awesome. So we were at Cedar Faustin. And we went, stopped by the chapel to give thanks to Our Lady for graduating and all that. And so we we're praying. And we go into the chapel and Father's there. And father comes out and goes, oh, congratulations, Gabriel, yada, yada. And he turns to uh, to me and my brother because my brother learned how to serve Latin Mass. And the priest there says both the Novus Ordo and the Latin Mass. And he goes, hey, I'm about to serve, say my private Mass. Um, I'm going to be doing the TLM. Y'all want to serve? And brother's like, oh, I got to run. So I got to go to get ready for the graduation. But uh, Adrian can do it. And so I got to serve my Latin Mass the first time in over a year. I just been so busy and then just haven't had the opportunity. So that was really wow. great. I was super excited. That's cool. It was, uh, it was first time in a long time. So praise be to God. 
Um, and then uh, the rest of the weekend was pretty normal. Okay, pretty cash. Uh, rested on Sunday. All right, coming up in this hour, maybe I'll tell you more about the weekend and the details of what happened over the weekend during the after show. But coming up today at 15 past the hour, SUV in Biden's motorcade struck my vehicle during Delaware event. That's a really worded headline, but that's the headline. Uh, Damian Murphy at 30 past the hour, a member of the Irish Society for Christian Civilization, will be on with us. And the Irish people spell civilization with S's instead of Z's, and it's really throwing me off. And in the next hour, four last things. We've been covering death, judgment, and hell. Today, we talk about heaven. So four last things talking about that coming up in the next hour, plus our Fear and Trembling game show. But let's begin with prayer. We'll be praying for your intentions, for the salvation of souls, the liberty and exaltation of Holy Mother Church, for a blessed and holy Advent, last week of Advent. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. O divine infant Jesus, I have recourse to thee. Please, through thy blessed mother, assist me in this necessity, because I firmly believe that thy divinity can help me. I hope with confidence to obtain thy holy grace. I love thee with all my heart and with all the strength of my soul. I repent sincerely of my sins, and I beg thee, O good Jesus, to grant me the strength to triumph over them. I resolve never more to offend thee, and I come to offer myself to thee with the intention of enduring everything rather than to displease thee. Henceforth, I desire to serve thee with fidelity, and for the love of thee, O divine infant, I will love my neighbor as myself. All-powerful infant, O Jesus, I implore thee again, assist me in this need. Grant me the grace of possessing thee eternally with Mary and Joseph, and of adoring thee with the angels in the heavenly court. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. You are listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos. Here are some of your breaking news and headlines this morning. Israeli forces kill two Christian women in Gaza Parish and destroy a convent. This according to the Jerusalem Patriarchate, Cardinal Pizzaballa. In a statement posted on X, the Patriarchate reported that a woman named Nahida and her daughter Samar were murdered by an Israeli Defense Force sniper while inside of the Holy Family Parish property, which is located in Gaza City. One was killed as she was trying to carry the other one to safety, the statement read. Seven more people were shot and wounded as they tried to protect others inside of the church compound. No warning was given. No notification was provided. They were shot in cold blood inside of the the premises of the parish, where there were no belligerents. The Patriarchate also explained that the IDF destroyed the convent's generator and fuel resources this morning. More than 50 in need were inside the house, which the Patriarchate says was designated as a place of worship at the start of the conflict. The house was damaged by resulting explosions and a massive fire. Two more rockets fired by an IDF tank targeted the same convent and rendered the home inhabitable. The 54 disabled residents are currently displaced and without access to respirators that some of them need to live. And the Vatican is closing down Loyola Community, co-founded by Rupnik. The Vatican has decided to shut down the religious community of sisters, co-founded by the accused abuser, Father Marco Rupnik. Sisters from the Loyola community were presented with a decree on December 14th from the Vatican Dicastery for Institutes of Consecrated Life and Societies of Apostolic Life. Woo-wee! What a name! On the dissolution of their community due to serious problems concerning the exercise of authority and the way of living together, the Archdiocese said. According to the statement, the dissolution of the community must take place within one year. 
And hey, do you remember that applesauce uh, story that I brought up a couple of times? Well, it turns out that the contamination may have been deliberate, according to an FDA official. FDA Deputy Commissioner for Human Foods Jim Jones said that while the investigation is still ongoing, signs point to an intentional act to poison the puree marketed for kids. He says, quote, my instinct is that they didn't think that this product was going to end up in a country with a robust regulatory process, he said. They thought it was going to end up in places that did not have the ability to detect something like this, he said, in relation to testing for lead contamination. Continuing, saying, we're going to chase that data and find whoever was responsible and hold them accountable, Jones said. Now, those are some of your headlines this morning, but stay tuned on Catholic Drive Time for more. The gospel of the day comes from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Now, this passage is highly controversial among Protestants because Protestants will take this passage where it says, When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph and became and they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Wherefore, Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing publicly to expose her, was minded to put her away privately. Now, of course, then it goes on to talk about the going of St. Joseph, the angel appearing to St. Joseph and whatnot. But the part that's controversial here is whether or not Our Lady was married, whether or not they consummated that marriage. Now, clearly, from the Catholic perspective, it's very clear and easy to understand. The answer is, of course not. Our Lady did not consummate the marriage because she was a perpetual virgin. And the answer, whether or not she was married to St. Joseph, is, of course, yes. Now, Cornelius Alapide, I highly recommend to read the entirety of his commentary today. Just look up the great commentary of Cornelius Alapide, and then you'll find Matthew chapter 1 and read his commentary, because this is incredibly important. You'll find this controversial topic coming up in conversation all the time. But our Lord here it made a very wise decision. Because Joseph was the nearest heir to David's kingdom. And so, of course, he would have Our Lady betrothed to Joseph. So that way that he, the son, would be in the line of Joseph. Now, Our Lady was also in the line of David as well. Not just Joseph. That they would also be within that kingdom. Now, the most important thing that I think we should take away from this is that Joseph is called here their husband of Mary. This means that they were, in fact, married. Now, Cornelius Lapide goes through and presents objections to that and smashes the objection, so I recommend reading the whole thing. But today, let us have the most utmost reverence, humility, piety, and love for the Holy Family, recognizing what a grace it must be to have been in the home of our Lord for almost 30 years. We're right back with more right after. Hello, this is Steve Gleason, your Wednesday host of A Life Lived Joyfully, presented by the Guadalupe Radio Network. Join us Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. Central, 4 p.m. Eastern, as we begin with the Divine Mercy Chaplet, followed by A Life Lived Joyfully. We're going to explore the call to holiness and the life of virtue. And be sure to call in with your questions during our open line segment. That number is 877-757-9424. That is 877-757-9424. This is a Messy Family Minute with Mike and Alicia Hernan. We talk a lot about the importance of family culture, but what is it? Family culture is an unwritten set of expectations, beliefs, and values. It's a way of life that confers identity, belonging, and mission on its members. You have a family culture in your home already, whether you realize it or not. 
And as parents and even grandparents, we have to ask what are the unspoken messages we are communicating to our children? When a family culture is dysfunctional, children learn lessons they take into adulthood which are hard to unlearn. But in strong, healthy families, the culture exponentially magnifies parenting and help keeps kids doing the right thing. As they say in the business world, culture beats strategy every time. A family's culture is a powerful force that sends messages more clearly than words alone. It is essential that you and your spouse are intentional and thoughtful about the culture you are stewarding within your home. For more free resources on building your family culture, visit us at MessyFamilyMinute.org. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Praise be to God. It's good to be on with you today. It's always good to be here, especially in the last week of Advent. Can you believe it? It's one week away from Christmas. This is the shortest Advent that is possible on the liturgical calendar. The shortest possible. Because the last Sunday of Advent ends on Christmas Eve, which is insane. It's utter insanity. And so before we get going on to the stories for today, I did want to tell you what the situation is for attending Mass this Sunday. And I'm going to repeat it every day this week so that way people who tune in only occasionally, then they will be able to hear how you can fulfill your Sunday obligation and Christmas obligation this week. And I'll probably switch up which segments I mention it in just so that way everybody will be able to hear what the Christmas obligation is. So to fulfill both your Sunday and Christmas Day Mass obligations in 2023, and tomorrow I think we'll go in more depth explaining the history of it and explain all the details about it, but for today, just in short, very concise, Sunday obligation you have for the fourth Sunday of Advent, so that's one obligation, and then you have the Christmas Day obligation. So both of those obligations, you have two obligations. Typically, the USCCB, for the vast majority of Holy Days, transfers a Holy Day to the nearest Sunday if it falls on a Monday or a Saturday. With the exception is Christmas. And so you do not get to fulfill your Sunday, your Christmas obligation by going to Mass on Sunday. So you have to go to Mass on Christmas Eve and on Christmas Day this year, on both days. Now, you can also attend a vigil Mass on the 23rd, which will fulfill the the Sunday obligation. And then you can attend the vigil Mass on the 24th to fulfill your Christmas obligation. That's a possibility. But the simplest way to fulfill your obligation would be go to Mass on Christmas Eve, go to Mass on Christmas Day. If you go to Mass on both days, you're done. You're good to go. But if you want to make it more complicated, you're welcome to attend any Mass after 4 p.m. on Saturday, December 23rd, or any time after 4 p.m. on Sunday, December 24th. If you do that, it'll also fulfill your Sunday and Christmas obligation. So, hope that was clear as mud. Tomorrow... I will go into much more detail explaining how it goes, but it is it is a little confusing. But it, the simple thing is Christmas Day, Christmas and Sunday, both days, you got to go to Mass. Are you telling me I got to go to Mass twice? I'm saying you have to go to Mass twice. Back to back? Back to back. Are you serious? I know, crazy. Oh, well, I guess that's not really all that complicated. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it shouldn't be that difficult. I understand people may find it difficult, but... Uh, will it be a mortal sin? It would be a mortal sin. There you go, folks. Yeah. It would be a mortal sin to Boom. not attend Mass. There are Sunday obligations, and unless there's a extraordinary circumstance, like you get snowed in, it's not going to happen in Houston or in San Antonio or in Dallas. But if you're somewhere mm. where it snows heavily, uh, maybe you're snowed in, you can't make it a Mass. But that's a totally different circumstance. 
So there you go. Got folks. it. Tomorrow I'll explain the history of how this works, how we got here, and um, why it is the way it is in the more details. But for today, I think it would be simple enough to explain it that way. Um, if that was not clear at all, let me know, and I'll try to make it clearer. But there you go, folks. Okay, on to the story. I want to start here because this I, I saw this over the weekend, and I would just my jaw hit the floor. That IDF attack on Catholic parish in Gaza condemned by Pope, U.S. Bishop, and Jerusalem Patriarch. This comes from CatholicVote.org. CatholicVote.org reports, On Saturday, December 16th, the Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem issued an urgent statement, and I recommend reading the statement in its entirety. It's 100% worth reading. Announcing that Israel Israeli snipers opened fire at the compound of Holy Family Catholic Church in Gaza, killing two Christian women, a mother and a daughter, who are moving between buildings. Pope Francis condemned the attack during his Angelus Address on Sunday, and the USCCB also issued a statement of condemnation. The Patriarch Statement reported that, quote, No warning was given, no notification provided. The two women were shot in cold blood inside the premises of the parish where there are no belligerents, end quote. The statement revealed that a rocket fired from an Israeli Defense Force tank during the morning of Saturday targeted and struck the convent of Sisters of Mother Teresa, destroying the building's generator and damaging the house. Quote, the, co- the convent is a home to over 54 disabled persons and is part of the church compound, which was signaled as a place of worship since the beginning of the war. End quote. The statement pointed out, quote, together in prayer with the whole Christian community, we express our closeness and condolences to the families affected by the senseless tragedy. At the same time, we cannot but express that we are at a loss to comprehend how such an attack could be carried out, even more so as the whole church prepares for Christmas, end quote. Although by Sunday evening, Israel Israel has not commented on the attack, some Israeli outlets have claimed the presence of a rocket launcher in the parish. The Latin patriarch has strongly denied this claim. During the Andrews prayer at the Vatican on December 17th, Pope Francis said that, quote, Unarmed civilians are subjected to bombings and shootings, addressing the Holy Family incident directly, saying, and this even happened inside the parish complex of the Holy Family, where there are no terrorists, but families, children, sick and disabled people, nuns, a mother and daughter, Mrs. Nahida Kali Anton and her daughter Samar Kamal Anton, were killed and other people injured by sharpshooters. Someone says it's terrorism, it's war. Yes, it's war. It's terrorism. This is why scripture states that God stops wars. He breaks bows and breaks spears, Francis added, referencing Psalm 46, 9. Let us pray to the Lord for peace. Also on Sunday, the president of the USCCB, Most Reverend Timothy Broglio of the Archdiocese of the Military Services, issued the following statement, quote, At this holy time of Advent, in anticipation of the birth of the Prince of Peace, it is with great sadness and horror that we continue to witness the death and destruction of innocent people in the land of our Lord's birth. Such violence must not continue. Following the mistaken killing of Israeli hostages and now the killing of two Christian women and the wounding of others inside Holy Family Parish in Gaza, we call for an immediate cessation of all hostilities, the release of hostages, and for earnest negotiations towards a peaceful resolution of this conflict. The USCCB statement added, quote, We resolutely join our voices with the Holy Father, Pope Francis, reminding all parties in this conflict 
that the war is never the answer, but always a defeat. We plead peace, 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 end quote. According to the Jerusalem Force Post, the Israeli army investigated the incident, but said on Sunday that its operational findings rebute this claim, end quote, or rebut this claim, rather. Okay, so that's the story. Uh, that's utter tragedy. So pray for the Catholics. And I keep hammering this point home. The people who are forgotten in this war, everyone's talking about the Jews, the Muslims, the people who are forgotten are the Christians that are caught in the middle of this war. So let's pray for the Christians, our brothers and sisters who are there, who are being senselessly killed, who are innocent in this conflict, and pray that they be protected and that their souls be bared up into heaven. And it's very concerning that the, the Israel is claiming that they they rebut this claim. I am very confused as to what claim they're rebutting. Are they saying that nobody died? Are they saying that they weren't targeted, that they were not innocent? What What is it that they are rebutting? Uh, maybe whenever more information comes out, we will revisit the story. But as of now, I mean, this is just utter senseless violence, utter tragedy. I also recommend looking up the Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem's entire statement because he gives the you know, the details of what happened there. Very, very concerning. Okay, on to another story. So here is a story that also is rather concerning over the weekend. SUV and Biden's motorcade struck by vehicle dealing Delaware event. Now, the Secret Service is, of course, investigating the situation. And it happened over the weekend, so not, you know, the amount of news that happens over the weekend times to come down. So I imagine we're probably going to learn more information in the next 24 hours. But it seems as, I mean, it, it really seemed like there is someone is going, trying to assassinate President Biden. This is really, really bad. Like, I am not a fan of President Biden by no stretch of the imagination. I mean, just if you listen to the show by, for any amount of time, you understand I am not a fan of President Biden. That being said, it is not okay to try to assassinate somebody. I mean, it's pretty straightforward, right? The other thing is, if somebody does assassinate the president, like obviously it's bad because assassination is bad. It's obviously bad because murder is wrong. It's obviously bad because that person's soul is now in danger for committing the sin of murder. But also, imagine the tensions that would rise in the country. It would be an utterly horrific situation for our country if a president of the United States was assassinated in 2023. We haven't had a president be assassinated since JFK. And right now, with the tensions as high as they are, with people from both sides just in ready, like it's a powder keg ready to explode. With an assassination of a political figure, if Donald Trump or Joe Biden was assassinated, I don't, I'm very afraid of what would happen, especially since there's that new movie coming out that's be released soon about the, about civil war. And some people are saying, oh, is this predictive programming? Where are they trying to prepare us for civil war where we're going to say, okay, well, civil war is on the way. So we're going to start like prepping you to so thinking about civil war. So that way it's not surprising when it happens. I feel like that is what they're doing. Now, it may just be that there is so much sentiment of civil war in our country that they're just coincidentally making this. And I think that's perfectly plausible as well, to be honest, that there's so much tension 
and people are honestly thinking about civil wars more than they have in the past, that people are starting to create pop culture that talks about civil war. So it is very, very concerning, this whole situation from a U.S. standard. And I'm also thinking about what would happen internationally. What would the international reaction be? Would they say, oh, now the U.S. is in flux because we're going to have to deal with a change of power, switching over to Kamala Harris. People are going to be preoccupied. What will happen internationally? Will people take advantage of that situation? It's very, very concerning. So we definitely want to pray that this is was a lone actor, that this was something that or maybe it was just some crazy person or maybe it was a situation where a guy just ran a red light. I don't know. It's I pray that it was nothing uh, that is going to cause greater harm to our society. And um, oh, and also Joe Biden was perfectly fine, according to reports. So I don't know if I mentioned that or not, but he is uh, perfectly uh, good to go. So praise be to God that he was not assassinated. Okay, in the last minute we have here, I also want to just remind you that if you're interested in finding out about what to get somebody for Christmas, well, you can always go to grnonline.com forward slash raffle and participate in our car raffle that we're doing here at the Guadalupe Radio Network. And we're giving away a, is it Mercedes or Mercedes? I Mercedes. never, Mercedes. 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 Yes. Okay. I always pronounce that wrong. <laughs> always. A Mercedes Benz. Mercedes. Is that, as I said, Mercedes. Good? Mercedes. So if you would like Spain. to win a Mercedes Benz or you know somebody who is in need of a new car, well, like think Joe about Biden. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like Joe Biden needs a new car. This car was struck. Then over maybe the buy, buy, buy somebody you know a raffle ticket so they have a chance to win. A new Mercedes Benz. Go to grnonline.com forward slash raffle. We'll be right back with more breaking news and stories and Ireland riots. What's going on there? We'll be right back. Hope. The Catholic Encyclopedia has much to say about hope. Going online to newadvent.org, we see hope explained as the desire and expectation of future good. Each of us prays and looks to the situations and events of our lives with a desire and expectation that something good awaits us. We pray for the ultimate good, a close and intimate relationship with God. During Advent, we also look to the prophecy candle of hope. The prophet Isaiah foretold of the coming of Jesus. As Christians, we must stay firm in our expectation of goodness. For our salvation lies in seeing goodness in people and focusing on our relationship with God. Jesus said that the kingdom of God is now. Like a guiding star in the night, hope is born as we turn our desires and expectations to God. This has been a bit of Catholic encouragement from Michael Gisandi. Catholic Radio was there for me when I needed it. Even though I didn't think I needed it, it was there for me. I want everybody to know that I'm giving, not so that I can sit there and say that I gave to GRN for any other reason but this. I want that radio station to be there for anyone else who needs it also. They may not think they need it, but it's going to be there for them, whether it's in the future, whether it's right now. I want that radio station to always be there for them, just like it was there for me. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and here are more breaking news and headlines for you. Hey, speaking of cars, car raffles, grnonline.com forward slash car raffle. 
Actually, it's grnonline.com forward slash raffle. Here's an inter- here's a uh, an article that talks about this. Uh, how government limits our choice in low cost automobiles. Hmm. Got to work on that segue. Despite claims of enhancing safety, the necessities of extensive regulatory requirements is questioned, suggesting that such mandates hinder innovation and affordability. New research underscores the disproportionate impact of environmental regulations on low-income Americans, notably in the automobile sector, where new cars are averaging about $48,000. That's pretty unaffordable for many households earning under $50,000. The regulation-driven cost increase amounts to as much as 20% per vehicle, hindering car ownership for a lot of people. Additionally, antiquated tariffs and regulations limit the availability of affordable and popular vehicles in the U.S. Moving on to another bombshell story, Cardinal Betchu is convicted of financial crimes. In late 2020, Betchu was charged with abusing his position as substitute to the Secretary of State, embezzlement, conspiracy, and witness tampering stemming from an illegal property deal in London using church funds in 2014. The property deal, which cost the Vatican 350 million euros, was supposed supposed to be a development in London with a uh, high-end residential property. The deal fell through in 2018 and the Vatican withdrew, losing over 100 million euros. Betchu allegedly signed the deal and approved it with the use of Vatican funds for the investment. Allegedly, the funds from the annual Peter's Pence collection were used to absorb the cost of the loss. Cardinal Betchu and several others were found guilty of financial crimes, ending what has been dubbed as the Vatican Trial of the Century. Betchu, Pope Francis's former substitute to the Secretary of State, was sentenced to five and a half years in prison. Now, those are some of your headlines this morning. Uh, thank you very much for listening to Catholic Drive Time, and uh, it's our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Back to you, Adrian. Foreshadowing. All right. Praise be to God. Thank you very much, Rudy, for keeping us informed and inspired for as long for now, for as long as we can. Thank you for your service, Rudy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Some of you may may be questioning that a little bit. People are like on the edge of their seat. Why do they keep why do they keep saying foreshadowing? What does it mean? You'll find out soon. All right. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, we'll tone it down a little. I, okay. I apologize. Well, maybe we'll we'll mention we'll give we'll give some more give a little tease we'll give here. some more Adrian, definitive hints. Give me some hope, bro. But during the after show, though, uh, oh, uh, maybe if you hang out with us during the after show, we'll give you some more hints about what's coming and what we're hinting at. So maybe join us. Hop on our social media feed. Look up Catholic Drive Time on your favorite social media feed. YouTube, Facebook, Rumble, Twitters, or X, I think. So make sure you join us, and we'd love to chat with you. But joining us right now is Mr. Damian Murphy. He is a member of the Irish Society for Christian Civilization, an organization inspired by the work of Plenio Correa de Oliveira and a sister organization of the American TFP. Thank you for joining us, Mr. Murphy. Well, thank you very much for, for having me. Praise be to God. It's good to have you on. Now, the reason why I reached out to you is because I saw the story coming up and I saw the increase in tensions of the situation in Ireland. We saw the riots in Ireland. We saw these things happening. happening, And I was struggling to figure out 
what was actually going on because the media was reporting various different things and it was very difficult to try yeah, to figure it was, out. Yeah, it was confusing. Uh, so tell me, Mr. Murphy, what exactly did happen in, with the riots? What caused them to start? And where, where, has that, where has that progressed to today? So what happened was there was the, the, the riots was prompted by an attack outside a primary school. So this fellow, he had lived in Ireland for 20 years. Uh, he had he had lived for his first 30 years in Algeria, had come over to Ireland, lived here 20 years. And then he went on a, um, an attacking spree. He attacked, uh, three children. And there were, uh, I think also an adult, but I know with a knife, injured them all, didn't, thankfully didn't kill any of them. And then he was subdued by, uh, three other people, past, past buyers. So, they were, um, it was actually funny, a Frenchman, a Brazilian, an Irishman, they both subdued them. They all, they all helped in, uh, subduing the attacker, taking his knife away and, um, bringing him to the ground until the police could come and, uh, arrest him. So then there were calls for a, a type of protest or, or, or rally. And it was kind of confusing. What was the, the purpose? Well, it was in solidarity for those who were attacked or against immigration or whatever. But that descended into rioting then. And you had all these youths attacking police cars, attacking the police themselves, uh, uh, vandalizing shops, uh, stealing, looting from the shops. And that all happened um, the, 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 that evening or the day after. I, I can't remember. So how, did, how, does, how does that happen? Because I'm thinking, okay, you're having a rally with the intention of wanting to promote enforcing laws right of increasing immigration laws of trying to prevent these things to happen you're basically pro more law enforcement and then you breaks out into riots and that's very confusing to me because it seemed like the type of people who would be showing up to this would not be the type of people who would riot uh, so what did we what do we know about the rioters and um- as far not much really. I mean, they they looked like just the youths from from the town, from the from that area of Dublin. Uh, another thing as well is that there is a lot of, of just among ordinary people. There is a lot of of um, disquiet. A lot of people. A lot of people are upset with the government over its immigration policy. And you have statistics like, for example, last year with statistics from last year. Uh, 40% or 5,000 5, asylum seekers who came to Ireland last year didn't have documentation. So they could be literally, be, literally be anybody. And they're being, they're being bussed to different areas of, of Ireland to be housed and looked after. And a lot of the locals don't like all of a sudden hundreds of, of foreigners descending on their village and uh, changing the whole makeup. They don't know who these people are. And these people, when you interview them, they're, they're, they're very insistent that they they are very welcoming they they don't they're not they're not um afraid of foreigners or something but what they're concerned about is they don't know who these people are they they could be anybody and so there was a lot of anger for, about that and the other people they were i remember having conversations with people about these riots and we were wondering whether they were these people were paid by somebody to to instigate the riots um it it's a possibility, but it could also just be the fact that these were youths that just took advantage of a situation to um, to go rioting and looting. Okay, so this happens, and on social media, 
there was a lot of people who were cheering on the rioters. And I was wondering, is that the sentiment for the majority of people in Ireland? Are the people, the Irish people themselves, actually supporting the rioters? Oh, no. The majority, the majority of people, uh, even those, like, say, strongly against immigration, the majority of, of Irish people would be against attacking the police, against the rioting. There was even uh, a reporter on the streets when the rioting was happening, and this uh, Frenchman uh, told her that he's he was actually very happy to see the reaction of the Irish during the riots, that they were they were shocked by what was happening, the, the people walking by. And he was saying how in France they've become uh, uh, very hardened to these types of riots. So he was happy to see, in fact, that a lot of the pastor buyers were shocked by the behavior of the rioters. Hmm. Mr. Murphy, uh, you know, I've, I've been to Ireland. It's a really small, small country. And uh, it's surprising to me that, you know, we're hearing kind of like an import of all kinds of different people into this this country where, I mean, I've talked to people there and they say that the opportunity is really hard to, you know, to have there for work and all these other things. But uh, is this a, an issue of uh, representation or is this what the, the Irish people want? They want to bring in people from all over the world? Um, I, I did see statistics, and uh, but I'm I'm not I'm not the very good person for remembering statistics. But no, there there are a lot of people who are they they say there's not enough housing. We're in the middle of a housing crisis at the moment, and the government keeps on bringing in or allowing people the, uh, these people to come into the country, uh, knowing full well that there there's a housing crisis. And so twice already, the Irish government have told. Um, uh, I think the Ukrainians, especially, that there's simply no housing space. Don't please don't come to Ireland uh, because we just don't have a housing supply anymore. And uh, but these people keep keep coming in. Uh, I think last year there were uh, for a population of five million. You know, last year there were I think over ten, over ten thousand uh, immigrants into Ireland, which which is you know a loss. Wow! Wow! That's uh, for for Ireland, I mean, for the U.S., that's like nothing. <laughs> but for Ireland, it's a much smaller, smaller country. It definitely is a big deal. We're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, I did want to ask about the Catholic faith in Ireland. I always am very intrigued by that because St. Patrick, I mean, he asked for big things in Ireland. And I always wonder, is his prayers, were they answered? I guess we'll find out. More with Damian Murphy, a member of the Irish Society of Christian Civilization, right after this. Hi, this is Wyatt Goolsby, Executive Director for the Guadalupe Radio Network Station here in Houston. I am pleased to announce that we have an opening for a general manager to work in the Houston studio with me and the team. This is a wonderful opportunity to join an apostolate striving for the highest level of professionalism, competence, ethics, and Catholic values. GRN is dedicated to spreading the knowledge, love, and practice of the Catholic faith by means of radio. The GRN offers a competitive salary and benefits package. If you are an active and faithful Catholic and want to explore a career with the Guadalupe Radio Network, you can submit your resume and a cover letter describing why you want to come to work for the GRN at careers at grnonline.com. That's careers at grnonline.com. Thank you, and God bless. Hi. 
Hi, I'm Debbie Giorgiani, co-host of The Spirit World with Adam Bly. Hey, Adam, what do you say we open the phone lines on Christmas Eve weekend and talk about family time during the holidays? That's a great idea. We can talk with people about the love they receive from family and the love we all receive from Jesus on Christmas. Okay, let's do it. So call in this Saturday, 10 a.m. Central, 11 a.m. Eastern. Right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome back to Catholic Try Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Praise be to God. It's good to be here with you today. It's always good to be here with you, especially on this week leading up to Christmas. Can you believe it? Christmas is seven days away. Are you sure? I've checked my calendar. Today is December 18th, the first day of the O Antiphons. So, oh my goodness. I know. I Seven know. days. I have to do Christmas shopping. I haven't done any Christmas shopping. Don't tell my parents, but I haven't got them any gifts yet. And also, tomorrow's my mom's birthday. Oh, no. Yeah, I know. I know. I got to get on that. So uh, if uh, anybody has any suggestions of what I should get my mom for Christmas, please let me know. I'm in desperate need to go shopping like today and get that. <laughs> so uh, if you have any suggestions... Hit me up because oh, I'm in desperate need. I got a perfect idea. Okay, what is it? A sweater made of wool from the Aran Islands. The Aran Islands? Yeah. Where are the Aran Islands? In Ireland. Oh, man. I have no idea, man. My geography ends at Texas. Anything anything north, east, or west of Texas, I'm, I'm lost. I'm just <laughs> lost. I lived in Ohio for months, and I don't even know like where it is in relation to other states. It's so bad. It's so bad. All right. Joining us right now is Damian Murphy. He's a member of the Irish Society for Christian Civilization. We're talking about the Ireland uh, riots that were happening there and the popular sentiment of the people in Ireland. And we were right before we went to break, we were talking about kind of how people there are perceiving the situation. And my question, Mr. Murphy, is Ireland used to be a bastion of Catholicism. And in recent days, I mean, we had Ireland put in their constitution about abortion. And Ireland is doing all sorts of things that you're like, this doesn't seem like the place that St. Patrick prayed for. So what is the situation there, Mr. Murphy, with Ireland? It's, yeah, it's, it's not pretty, that, that's for sure. But there, is, there are lots of um, signs of, for hope as well. Uh, for example, at least with the work here in Ireland with the, um, with the TFP, we, in May, we do public rosary valleys, just like in America, our counterparts, they do in October, we do ours in May. And this May, we had uh, over 500 rosary valleys um, all across the country, which proportionally, I'm, I think, is more than what uh, our, our American counterparts do in October. So we, we like to remind them of that. <laughs> but uh, but um, it's, uh, and also about, I think the average per valley is about 15 people. That's, so that's, you know, I, it's a lot of people. And it's a, it's a very good sign that people... Let, let, with the laws and everything might be pro, pro abortion and pro same sex marriage, but there's a, there's a growing reaction against that. And like we've seen in America, the um, people are seeing the importance of the culture and they realize that if they, if they don't change the, the culture, these laws will just get worse and worse. So a lot of people are 
turning to the rosary and being very public uh, about praying the rosary and about being Catholic because they know the importance of, um, well, first of all, just the, just the public witness of our faith and knowing and also trying to influence the culture uh, to be Catholic again. So, you know, okay, here's the other thing. The, so on your, on your YouTube channel, Irish Society for Christian Civilization, I was watching some of the videos and I was, Honestly, it seems like the people in Ireland are really, really anti, I don't even know what to say, anti-God, anti-goodness, anti-sanity. <laughs> and is that the common sentiment or is that simply just a select view, a group of people or is it particular locations? What's, what's, what's the sentiment there? There is definitely, um, there is definitely that sentiment. For example, just, just from my personal experience, uh, last year, we did public campaigns against socialism, and we we were able to debate with people who are pro, who are pro socialist. You know, have a decent debate with people. But as soon as typically they would at one point they would ask us, you know, okay, if you don't think socialism is the solution, what do you think is the solution to all of Ireland's problems? And we would start bringing up examples of the Catholic Church, how they ran the the health educate uh, health and education. At that point, they would shut us down. They would curse and swear at us. You know, because as soon as we mentioned the Catholic Church, then it became a different matter. They, then they then they really hated us. That's not something I've experienced anyway in America when I did campaigns against socialism there. Even if we brought up the Catholic Church, you know, the, the, the level of hatred wasn't the same as in Ireland. So there there is definitely a um, a group of 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 uh, people in Ireland that really detest and hate the Catholic Church for sure. And what about this situation that happened uh, a couple months ago, the, the Puka uh, festival that it all, all just explicit Satanism being done in the public sphere in Ireland. I see this rising all across the globe. We were talking about this over the past week of a satanic uh, display being put up in U.S. Capitol buildings and uh, here in the States, and now it's happening in Catholic Ireland? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And we have, because we have, um, you know, a pre-Christian history as well, we have, a, we have a pagan history as well, obviously, so they're able to draw from that and resurrect these these pagan gods that St. Patrick was able to overcome, and they're trying to resurrect them and make them family-friendly and do a festival, things like that. I think this year was the third or I think it was the third. Yeah. If you don't count the COVID year, I think it's the third festival they held. And, but they are, they are struggling to attract people to come to the festival. And every year we've had uh, our rosary rally captains in the area do public rosary rallies, spread leaflets, uh, opposing this. And I think it definitely has been, been having an effect because they're struggling to, uh, to uh, increase the popularity of this festival and also even to get funding from the government. It's getting, it appears anyway, they're getting smaller and smaller every year, the, the events. Mm, praise be to God. That's wonderful to hear. And so why does Ireland matter for the rest of the world? Uh, in the U.S., we kind of have a very individualistic worldview, very nationalistic, among, especially among conservatives. They've become very nationalistic, and we're like, who cares about what's going on in other countries? And I think that's a, a grave error. So why should Americans care about Ireland? Well, it's um, even from a, a, a personal level, obviously, we have to love our neighbors. So it's, it's very good to be interested in, in the fates of other countries, especially those who have been historically Catholic. 
Um, and also it's, um, it's the more, um, you know, networking is very important. So, oh, and we can gain from each other's experience as well. And a lot of, like, for example, this, again, this is from my own personal experience, but I think the pro-lifers here in Ireland learned a lot from American pro-life movements. And I, I think that could be said for a lot of European pro-life movements. They, they gain their inspiration and motivation from, from um, seeing the pro-life movement. So I think there's, it's, it's very good to, um, to, to, to care about other countries and, and Ireland, you know, there's Ireland has a history of um, a lot of missionary work as well, even up until recently. So if if we're able to rekindle the um, the Catholic faith in Ireland, that that desire to do missionary work will also come back again. And um, we're a very small country, but we we've done missionary work, you know, from Africa, the Middle East. Um, America, South America. So it's it's um, uh, from that perspective as well. It's it, if we can rekindle the faith here, and it will it will rekindle the missionary spirit as well. I mean, the Irish Catholics helped build America, and I think for that reason alone, we should be grateful to to Ireland. But here's one other thing that I mentioned a couple of weeks ago was the the losses that we've had in Ireland are should be teachable moments for us in the United States. Because I feel as though the lessons that we did not, that we just didn't learn from the situation with abortion in Ireland, we are now experiencing ourselves in Ohio, for instance, and in across mm. other states where they're starting to try to push for constitutional amendments of enshrining abortion into the law. And we did not learn from looking at other countries. And I think we should have learned from the situation in Ireland and mobilized in a better manner. Uh, what say you, Mr. Murphy? Um, yeah, I, I would. Yeah, probably. I would probably probably agree. Um, at least in Ireland, I think the reason we lost so badly was just a lack of. Um, there, there's been a chronic lack in Ireland, I think, anyway, of of formation, both Catholic and intellectual formation, and. So it was very easy to sway people then to vote yes for same-sex marriage and yes for abortion because you know I love my grandchildren and I or I uh, you know my my child's transgender and, and I I love her so I'm going to vote yes you know very sentimental reasons so I had no basic no basis in um, in um, proper reasoning or Catholic formation and it's a very serious problem that has to be addressed at least in Ireland America may be better or worse I'm not sure. Mm. Well, in the last couple of minutes we have with you, uh, what is, where can people make sure they're up to date on what's going on? What's a trustworthy source to find out information about the situation in Ireland? Is, does the Irish Society for Christian Civilization put out any information about the local news or anything like that? How can people stay informed? Yeah, I would say probably the two sources. Um, uh, yeah, we do. We at least with the TFP in Ireland, we do a lot of videos, so you can see what what we're doing. But as far as let's say a general news source, uh, we don't have one yet. Um, but uh, there's a, a news source called Grips, G R I P T, Grips, and they they do uh, pretty good coverage of of current events and um, videos and articles. Well, praise be to God. And for, like you mentioned already, the uh, your YouTube channel uh, for the Irish Society for Christian Civilization to find out more information about what's going on in Ireland and the uh, Ireland, the Irish Needs Fatima campaigns. How, is, how did that go this year? 
Oh, they're they're going very well. Yes, there was. Um, we do like in America, we do a lot of Fatima home visits, bringing a statue of Fatima to people's homes, and uh, yeah, that's going very well. It's um, especially after COVID, people are very very um, very hungry for for these types of things again. And um, we currently have a waiting list of about three hundred homes that we have to try wow. and visit. Praise so God. The, the demand for our trips um, are, are capabilities, but it's a good problem to have. Amen. Amen. What a grace. <laughs> so I'm happy to hear that. It seems like the there is, in fact, faithful Catholics who are starting to to wake up to the situation and wanting to go back mm-hmm. to their faith. And that's very, very encouraging. Uh, God bless you, Mr. Murphy. God love you and have a blessed uh, rest of your Advent. Yes, yes, you as well. Very happy Advent and a happy, happy Christmas as well. Amen, amen. God bless you and God love you and we'll be praying for Ireland. Yes, please do. Thank you very much. I'll pray for the Guadalupe Radio as well. Thank you very much. And that's going to do it for our first hour. If you'd like to join us in the next hour, we're going to be talking about heaven. We've been covering the four last things, death, judgment, hell. And this week, we finally get to heaven. Can you believe it? We made it to the last week of Advent. And so we'll be meditating upon that coming up in just a moment, plus our fear and trembling game show. And before we run out of time, I do have to remind you, if you'd like to get a raffle ticket to win a brand new Mercedes Benz, I said it right this time, Rudy. Rudy's giving me the eye. A brand new Mercedes Benz. Mercedes. Oh, I said it wrong again. Mercedes Benz. You can do so. Go to grnonline.com forward slash raffle. grnonline.com forward slash raffle. God bless you. God love you. And I'll see you very soon. This is Life News Radio. I'm Jim Anderson. The U.S. Department of Health and Human Services is investigating a University of Pittsburgh program for use of unlawfully obtained abortion specimens for experiments. Public records requests have tipped off Judicial Watch and the Center for Medical Progress to what David DeLayden calls barbaric government-funded experiments. Friday, America's top scientific institute on life issues released a thorough assessment of the work of over 2,500 U.S. pregnancy support centers. The Charlotte Lozier Institute report documents nearly a million new clients, over 16 million support contacts, and vital services without cost. That may tell why polling shows 91% of U.S. respondents support pregnancy support centers. This is Life News Radio. Persecution around the world has manifested itself through the centuries, but it is worse today than ever before. Aid to the Church in Need and its donors have been there to help since 1947, never abandoning the Church or her most vulnerable children. Will you stand up for your faith and accompany our brothers and sisters on their spiritual journey? Visit churchinneed.org. churchinneed.org. The New York Times is trying to stir up controversy over the U.S. Supreme Court, especially in its Dobbs decision that overturned Roe. They discovered in emails between Justice Neil Gorsuch and the author of the Dobbs decision, Justice Samuel Alito, that Gorsuch received the 98-page draft and replied with his approval within minutes. By suggesting that this means Gorsuch gave little thought to the draft, The Times simply ignores that some people, especially those holding views in common, often communicate substantially outside of emails. For pro-life headlines delivered to your email address daily, sign up at lifenews.com. This has been Life News Radio.
Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Praise be to God. It's so good to be on with you today. It's always good to be here with you. No matter what anybody says, I know people are talking. People are talking and I'm listening. No matter what they say, no matter what they tell you, don't believe them. Who's they? It's good to be here. They them? It is they. You know, the mysterious they. They're always talking. They always say things. I don't know what they're saying, but they're saying things. So, no matter what they say, it's good to be here. Praise be to God. It's good to be here with you, especially on this last week, seven days before Christmas. This last week? This last Foreshadowing? Foreshadowing. Ooh. (laughs) Maybe not quite the last week. Not quite the last week. Not quite. But we're getting close to the last week. I'm going to leave that there. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you all a little bit more to our CDT insiders in the after show. If you want to join us in the after show, just look up Catholic Drive Time on YouTube, Facebook, Rumble, X, and you can find our live stream presented there. And leave a comment down below and we'll interact with you directly. We'll give you little bitty breadcrumbs as to uh, what we're talking about. Yeah. I'm only going to leave that there. You're welcome for the uh, for the teaser. What, like for ducks? Little breadcrumbs? <sighs> Man. Quack, breadcrumbs. quack. Breadcrumbs on, uh, on pasta is good. You're not supposed to give bread to ducks. Really? What no. happens to them? Supposedly it's bad for them. Really? Yeah. Well, I am a terrible person because I've definitely given breadcrumbs to ducks before. Although I've seen signs that say give them corn. That's not a natural duck food. Right. Maybe just don't feed the animals. Yeah, don't feed the animals. Just don't feed the animals. They can do it. They'll be fine. God will take care of them. Yeah, exactly. Scripture says so. Exactly, exactly. And speaking of Scripture, we're going to be talking right now about heaven. Because over the last few weeks, we've been talking about the four last things. Now, the four last things are typically meditated upon during the season of Advent, leading up to Christmas. And so, usually every one Sunday for the different Sundays of Advent. But because this year was a little shorter Advent, I started a week early. And so today we're talking about heaven. The first week we talked about death, meditating upon the fact that at any moment you may die, at any moment, and you know not the day nor the hour when you will die. It could be today, it could be tomorrow. And so we must always be prepared because death is not a fun thing. And the demons will come to tempt you to sin in your last moments. And so that's why we pray every single day when we pray our rosaries, pray for us now and at the hour of our death. That is very important. And then we talked about judgment, how we are all appointed once to die and then judgment. We will be judged and God's judgments are above our judgments. There is no pleading. There is no begging because our Lord knows all. You could be the greatest lawyer of all time and you will not be able to convince our Lord of anything because he already knows and you know that he knows. So you will not even attempt a defense and you will have Satan himself there to accuse you of your crimes. He who is the accuser who is far more intelligent than you are and far more knowledgeable than you are will be there. So let's pray that we have Our Lady as our advocate and that we die in a state of sanctifying grace. And then, of course, there is hell. We meditated upon hell last week and the horrible torments of hell, the worst of which will be the loss of the beatific vision. You will never see God and the fact that it is eternal, that you will never leave it. The pain will last for all eternity. Whenever, Whenever every single person dies, 
whenever the planet decays and is destroyed, you will still just be at the very edge, the very beginning of eternity. For eternity will be forever. And finally, we get to today where we meditate upon heaven. And the first thing that Father Von Kocham talks about in regards to heaven is that there is a common error out there. And he's writing this in, uh, what was it, the 17th century when he writes this? He writes this in the 17th century that there is a common error out there that heaven is purely spiritual and that there is no tangible kingdom. He said this is a grave error because if it was not tangible, how could the body of our Lord be there? How could the body of our lady be there? And yet we know that their bodies are there. So heaven is a physical place. Now, whenever we die initially, we will not be able to experience the physical elements of it because we will be pure souls at that point. And, and not until the second coming do we, are we reunited with our bodies and we have the resurrected bodies. And then we'll be able to experience the full grandeur of heaven. This is a very important thing. And Father Von Kochen spends a significant amount of time meditating upon how glorious and how grand it will be when we are reunited with our bodies and our souls will rejoice when reuniting with our bodies, telling our bodies, thank you so much for resisting temptation. Thank you so much for being so faithful and being so obedient to the soul because our soul and our bodies are in rebellion against each other because of concupiscence. But when our resurrected bodies come together, it will be like the pre, like the prelapsarian man, the man before the fall. And we're going to have a united, united body and soul that there is no conflict between them. When our souls tell our bodies to do something, it obeys. When our soul tells us, I'm not going to eat another cookie. We're not going to be like, oh, but I really, really want to. No, your body will simply obey and it'll be such a glorious, glorious thing. Not to mention the other elements of the resurrected bodies that we simply will not have time to get into. But he also talks about the apparition that Teresa of Avila had, where she sees a celestial city adorned with precious stones, radiant light, surpassing every earthly beauty. The magnitude of heaven will be immeasurable and inconceivable. It is described as a vast space filled with splendid mansions, each uniquely crafted. Many theologians propose heavenly paradise with real trees, fruits, and flowers delighting the senses of the redeemed. This is a wonderful, wonderful thing, something that is indescribable because there will be such vivid colors, such glorious smells, such beautiful hymns filling our ears, filling our senses, that it'll be as if the world that we live in today was like watching a movie in black and white with audio coming from a record player. That audio, the quality of sound and sights that are in heaven are incomprehensible to our senses here today. And it'll be so glorious, filling us with such joy. And so we meditate upon this and then imagine being surrounded by the saints and the angels. Imagine being united with them who are our family. That the glorified bodies 
that alone will dazzle our mortal eyes. We think about the transfiguration, the glorified body of our Lord, shining like stars. In the vision granted to St. Bridget, the Virgin Mary revealed that the saints resemble countless stars in heaven, their brilliance surpassing earthly lights. Now imagine the joy when your body shines like the midday sun, bringing delight to yourself and everyone else in heaven. The very presence of others will bring you great joy. The impassibility of our bodies will give us eternal freedom from sickness, from aging, from discomfort. And it will not be exhausting because we talked about the pain of eternity in hell of how even good things for eternity get, you get tired of them. Like if you eat good food, but you just constantly eat it forever. That's not fun. You get sick of it. But in heaven, you'll be gazing upon and taking in the beatific vision, which is inexhaustible. So you'll never get tired of it. You'll never get sick of it. It never will bore you because the depths of our Lord are so infinite. You will never be able to take it all in to grasp him. And that'll be our greatest joy in heaven for all shallows are clear. Shallow water is clear. You can see to the bottom, but the depths of the ocean, you can't see to the bottom of the trench. And so too with God, God is that endless, bottomless ocean that we can plumb the depths of for all eternity and never be sick of it. Now, the spiritual joys of the redeemed are also so abundant that words struggle to encompass their depths. Now, consider the consolations granted to devout servants of God here on earth. Think about the saints who go into ecstasies. You think about St. Saint Bernadette at Lourdes, where they would light fires under her, prick her with pins. And how would she react? She didn't. She was so enraptured with the fact that our lady was present in front of her in the earthly realm here on earth, seeing with our earthly eyes. She was so beautiful, so wonderful that we are unable to even move. And that was just an imitation, a foretaste, a foreshadowing of what was to come. You see, in the ocean of celestial sweetness, we can imagine the ecstasy that holy souls in heaven who drink directly from the fountainhead, drawing freely from the boundless source of felicity, that God will elevate and perfect every aspect of your intellect your understanding, your memory, your will, your imagination. All corruption will be gone. You ever have images in your mind that you're like, oh, I don't want to think of those things. Oh, you have bad things in your imagination. Those things will all be gone. It'll not be there. The supreme delight, which will flame in your hearts for love of God and your saints. It'll be something that is only seen as a, and like through glass that's dimly lit, like a foggy day, the most beautiful, most wonderful things on her earth are just pale imitations of what we will see. So I want to conclude with something directly from Father Von Coach. I'm going to read to you his conclusion here. And he talks about a very massive concern. He says, and so let's meditate upon the fewness of the saved. Because very few will be saved. 
Our Lord is very clear about this. He says, strive to enter by the narrow gate. For many, I say unto you, shall seek to enter and shall not be able. And Father Von Kochem goes over and over and explains through Holy Scripture how clear this is, that it is, in fact, the case. But he says, fear not. Fear not, though, because we can, in fact, enter into heaven. We can do it. So let me read to you what his conclusion is here. He says here, let us, my dear reader, courageously and cheerfully do all, undertake all, sacrifice all that we may gain the ineffable happiness of heaven. For we never can purchase heaven at too dear a price. Let us not be disheartened at the difficulties on our road. For after all, it is not so difficult to merit heaven. Were we to do for heaven half as much as people do to earn a living? to acquire a little wealth, power, or fame, or to enjoy life, we would be sure of securing a high place among the saints. All we have to do to gain heaven is to keep the commandments of God and of his church, to bear our little crosses, to discharge the obligation of our state of life, to overcome temptation. And although this is above our natural strength, we nevertheless can count on the grace of God. If we pray earnestly for it and with God help, with God's help, everything will become comparatively easy. For as St. Paul says, I can do all things in him who strengthens me. Earnest, persistent prayer will secure heaven to us. I now, dear reader, address to you the words of the mother of the Maccabees that she addressed to her youngest son, a mere boy, when he was about to be tortured to death as his six brothers had been before him. Quote, My son, I beg thee to look up to heaven. Look up to heaven every day, especially in time of trial and temptation. Heaven is well worth every suffering and every sacrifice and every combat required of us. And even a thousand times more, life is short. It's trials, it's sufferings, its labors, its combats, its crosses also are short and transitory, but heaven and its joys are inconceivable, satiating every desire of the heart and never ending. Our present momentary and light tribulation worketh above measure exceedingly an eternal weight of glory. May God in his mercy grant this happy end to the writer of this book and to all into whose hands it may fall, end quote. Now, praise be to God. Thank you very much to Father Von Kochen for writing this wonderful book. And we'll end with a very quick prayer. So pray with me in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. My God, I love thee, not because I hope for heaven thereby, nor because they who love thee not must burn eternally, not with the hope of gaining aught, not seeking a reward, but as thyself hast loved me, O ever-loving Lord. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. We're going to go into our fear and trembling game show. Call now, 877-757-9424. We'll be right back with fear and trembling right after this. 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question if you're a non-Catholic friend. The book of Esther does not mention the words God, Lord, sin, Savior, salvation, heaven, or hell. Are you sure it's supposed to be in the Bible? Martin Luther said no. Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a promise. Jesus said the Holy Spirit would guide the apostles into all truth. Those early church fathers, popes, bishops, synods, and councils were all under the influence of the Holy Spirit as they discerned which writing should or should not be in the Bible, and Esther was included. Secondly, for a writing to be understood as divinely inspired and worthy of canonicity, it was not a necessity to contain any theological explanations. And thirdly, a tough comeback. Oftentimes we deceive ourselves by wanting to trust that very contemporary and subjective term called the inner witness. Our own arrogance can blind us. The feeling of, quote, an inner witness is as dangerous as standing at the edge of a windy, jagged cliff. So on a religious feeling, don't just immediately buy into passionate testimonies, new truths, or prophetic texts. That four-letter word, feel, will get you every time. Victory in life, we've got to keep focused on the goal, and the goal is heaven. The key to winning is choosing to do God's will and love others with all you've got. Sacrifice, discipline, and prayer are essential. We gain strength through God's Word, and we receive grace from the sacraments. And when we fumble due to sin, and it's going to happen, confession puts us back on the field. So if you haven't been going to Mass weekly, get back in the game. We're saving your seat on the starting bench this Sunday. Welcome home. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. That's the number to call to be part of our game show, Fear and Trembling, where we give out prizes and you could win. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. If you've never been on the show, this is the week to call in because there's no school this week. Everyone's out of school. So your chances of being on the show is incredibly high if you call in today. Less competition. So that number, 877-757-9424. If you've never called in before, now might be your opportunity. Or if you've played in the past and you were like, man, I really wanted to win, but I never won before. Now's the time to call 877-757-9424. Now you may be asking, what are we doing exactly? What are you talking about playing games? Well, it's very simple. I have three Catholic trivia questions right in front of me here. And the trick is I'm not going to ask you the questions. No, instead, I'm going to ask Rudy the questions. It's your job to tell me whether or not he is right or whether or not he is wrong. And every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy... What could they win? I am I'm really sad to say this. Uh-oh. But this is the last opportunity. <gasps> this is it. We've been hyping it up. This is absolutely the last time mm. that you can win a coffee cup of divine providence. No way. That's it. That's it. We're giving away the last replica. And oh, after this, no. there won't be any more. Oh no. So you gotta pick up that phone and call us. And this coffee cup of divine providence replica. It's a sort of a second-class relic. No kidding. No, actually, no. It's a third-class <laughs> relic because it's touched to the original Coffee Cup of Divine Providence. Mm. And that one is – we're not giving that one away. But we're giving you a replica that's going to make everything that you put in there at least 80% better. So if you put in like really low-grade coffee, 
80% better. Wow. It's going to taste amazing in the coffee cup of Divine Providence. Or maybe just take our word for it, don't drink out of it, and put it up on your shelf to remember us by. Well, there you go, folks. Just kidding. So you're or saying this is the last replica of the coffee cup of Divine The Providence. last one. The last one. That's it. I'm not going to go into the Can back over that? there and I'm not going to find another one. I checked. I didn't see any. Okay. Well, I'm going to double check. I could be wrong. I'm going to double check. But I'm pretty sure this is the last one. But I think this might one. be the last one. This is All it. All right. So make sure if you don't get on today, you're going to want to write that number down because you're going to want a chance to win this. And I'm, apparently this is, this is, very, this is the very last sweet. one. 877-757-9424. Write that number down. Put it in your speed dial. You're going to want to know that number. 877 757 Nine four two four. You're gonna want an opportunity to win that prize. Joining us right now is Scott. Good morning to you, Scott. Good morning, Adrian and Rudy. How are you today? I'm doing Good great. Man. Praise be to God. Too blessed to be stressed, I would say. Amen. Now, Scott, where are you calling in from? McKinney, Texas. McKinney, Texas. Man, Praise huh? be to God. I've. I don't think I've ever been to McKinney, Texas. Texas. Uh, what's in McKinney? Uh, unique by nature. The, the the coolest thing is probably the the old downtown, the square. All right, but, I'm writing that down. Uh, go to the old town square in McKinney, Texas. Uh, praise be to God. Now, what is McKinney, Texas known for? Uh, it's known. Well, I mean, it's 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 slogan is unique by nature, and it's just the topography of North Texas. The way we have some rolling hills and a couple of uh, rivers that run through there you go rudy is that trademarked because i would like to use that for my water company i don't know it might be trademarked actually artisanal water by nature rudy's always uh complaining about the the topography here in uh in houston it's just flat and he's like i miss california i used to live at the base of a mountain go to mckinney dude and go get (laughs) go get your rolling hills and then come back we don't we don't have mountains because i'm from southern california too. let's go no what have i done yes (laughs) so you know but i've been here 33 years i'm not you know i'm not a newbie like rudy <laughs> Just had he's, to, he's been here yeah, for 33 years. That in You've there. been here for what, three? <laughs> Basically three years. <laughs> there yeah. you go. There you go. Which is funny because every time I complain about not having mountains, they're always like, go to West Texas. And what they mean is go to like the border of Texas with the West. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> you guys, hey, you wouldn't understand. I, I drove all the way to uh, El Paso and climbed uh, Monte Cristo Rey, and I thought it was a, I had a blast. So, so there you go, folks. Yeah, oh, but, but people don't understand. Go ahead. In Southern California, you're you're a half an hour from the local mountains, four hours from the high Sierras. It's a twelve hour drive from from Dallas <laughs> to the mountains in Texas. Exactly. Hey, Finally, that's, somebody that's who a, understands. That's what Rudy keeps telling me, but uh, we're we're just going to ignore that, Scott. I'm going to ignore everything <laughs> you just said there. All right, Scott, are you ready to play the game? Are you familiar with how a game I, works? I'm I'm very I'm very ready, and you know, Rudy is actually more tricky because he makes the explanations of his mm-hmm. correct answers mm-hmm. sound wrong. That is so, so true. That. that is so true, Scott. <clears throat> you, he knows your trick, but the question is, will he be able to discern anyway? Scott, don't analyze exactly. me, okay? Exactly. All right. <laughs> <laughs> he, he knows your Southern California tricks. All right, let's jump into it. Question number one for you, Rudy. Mm-hmm. The question on the board is, 
According to the first story in Genesis, where did the first man and woman live? According to the first story in Genesis, where do they live? Okay, some might say paradise. Some might say, you know, some garden somewhere. Mm-hmm. Scientists have actually discovered. No kidding. That scientists. Yeah. Go, go, go figure, right? Science, refute, like, you know, kind of reinforcing the gospel. They've discovered that it was Mars. No Mars way. was a garden planet. And then after the fall, God took them and put them on Earth. Oh. And then he withered away Mars. That's why they keep finding water over there. And they're like, oh, I think there's water over here. Oh, there might have been a lake here. Because Adam and Eve were there. Yeah. That was no. paradise. Wow. Oh, <laughs> That makes sense to me. That's why Elon was Musk on, is trying to get there. Exactly. Okay. It was on Mars. All right. They're trying to get back to paradise. Okay. I'm I'm seeing what you're saying. All right, Scott. 15 seconds on the clock. The question on the board is, according to the first story in Genesis, where did the first man and woman live? Rudy says, Mars, for obvious reasons. What say you, Scott? You know, I think that was one for his book. <laughs> Correct <laughs> wrong answers from the Cowboy Grindstein radio show. Oh, no, that's incorrect. It, it, it's the Garden of Eden. All right, let's see. Survey says that is, in fact, <laughs> correct. That is correct, Scott. Is the Garden of Eden, not Mars. Actually, you know why they say. Men are from Venus. I mean, men are from Mars. Women are from Venus. It's, it's actually because of, this. Oh, okay. it's because of this. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, you're really good at making things up, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Scott, are you ready for question number two? I'm ready. Let's do it. Question number two for you, Rudy. The question is, what was St. Luke's profession? What was his profession? His profession. I'm looking up to St. Luke more and more. I look at his life and I think about kind of man he was a renaissance man some would say not only was he an artist even though he was like a 1500 years before renaissance he was an artist he was a physician he was an evangelist and so much more saint luke originally (laughs) was a physician okay okay here we go i just wanted to paint this picture like saint luke okay i'm seeing what you're saying all right scott 15 seconds on the clock the question on the board is what was saint luke's profession and after rudy explains all the things that saint luke's done he finally got to what his profession actually was which was he was a physician according to rudy what say you scott from mckinney texas i think rudy hit everything on the head for for Wow. Luke, no kidding. <laughs> That's a pretty rare thing. Save that Although sound bite you there. You don't paint icons, you write them. Ah, ah got him. All right, let's see. Survey says. Survey? Well, you're. There he goes. There he goes. Well, it was populating. It was possible. It was yeah. artificial intelligence. You know, it needs a little bit of time to think. There you go. Well, praise be to God, Scott. You got it right. Two for three, uh, two out of three so far. Two out of two so far. There we go. I can stop. My brain works. Man, just, hey, just, I need to take a nap. Just that, wait. That Texas math. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Scott. You're two for two. 100% success rate. You ready for question number three? I'm ready. Let's do it. Question number three for you, Rudy. The question on the board is, what document of Pope St. Pius X led to the oath against modernism 
1910. Let me just read a little bit about what he said, okay? Not in this document. Not in this document. Just to inspire you to go read it. He says, Once indeed we had hopes of recalling them to a better mind, and to this end, we first all treated them with kindness as our children. But then with severity, at last, we have no recourse. Though with great reluctance, to public reproof, it is known to you, venerable brethren, how unavailing have been our efforts. For a moment they have bowed their head only to lift it again more arrogantly than before. He didn't write that in this document. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about, Rudy? He's talking about modernists because his, uh, his document, Oath Against so, Modernism. So what's, what's the answer here, man? <laughs> <laughs> it came from the syllabus of errors. Okay. So the answer is syllabus of errors. Yes. Okay. <laughs> that's, uh, 15 that's seconds what he had on to the say. clock. It's Scott. <laughs> about modernism. The question on the board is, what document of Pope St. Pius X led to the oath against modernism? Rudy says is a syllabus of errors. What say you, Scott? I'm going to have to disagree. I just, I can't remember the actual encyclical, but that doesn't sound right. All right, let's see. Survey says... Sorry, Scott. That was correct. Oh. He's long-winded, but it was the syllabus of errors in 1907 led to the Oath Against Modernism in 1910. I would highly recommend people to read both the syllabus of errors and the Oath Against Modernism. But praise be to God, Scott. Stay on the line. We need to get your contact information, but God bless you. God love you. And that's going to do it for the radio side. If you want to join us in the after show, hop on. Just look up Catholic Drive Time on YouTube, Facebook, Rumble, and we would love to interact with you directly, answer any questions, comments, or concerns. Plus, we're going to tell you a little bit of hints about what's coming, what we've been foreshadowing. God bless you. God love you. And remember, last week of Advent, make it count. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Online and through Guadalupe Radio Media. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, O Israel, Shall come to thee, O Israel. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Lord be with you. My brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. 
I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, Ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Let us pray. Grant, we pray, Almighty God, that we who are weighed down from of old by slavery beneath the yoke of sin may be set free by the newness of the long-awaited nativity of your only begotten Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Jeremiah. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up righteous shoot to David. As king he shall reign and govern wisely. He shall do what is just and right in the land. In his days Judah shall be saved. Israel shall dwell in security. This is the name they gave him, the Lord our justice. Therefore, the days will come, says the Lord, when they shall no longer say, as the Lord lives, who brought the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, but rather, as the Lord lives, who brought the descendants of the house of Israel up from the land of the north, and from all the lands to which I banished them, they shall again live on their own land. The word of the Lord. Justice shall flourish in his time and fullness of peace forever. Justice shall flourish in his time and fullness of peace forever. O God, with your judgment endow the king, and with your justice the king's son. He shall govern your people with justice and your afflicted ones with judgment. Justice shall flourish in his time and fullness of peace forever. For he shall rescue the poor when he cries out, and the afflicted when he has no one to help him. He shall have pity for the lowly and the poor. The lives of the poor he shall save. Justice shall flourish in his time and fullness of peace forever. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous deeds, and blessed forever be his glorious name. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Justice shall flourish in his time and fullness of peace forever. Alleluia, alleluia, 
Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. O leader of the house of Israel, giver of the law to Moses on Sinai, come to rescue us with your mighty power. Alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. When his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found with child through the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, since he was a righteous man, yet unwilling to expose her to shame, decided to divorce her quietly. Such was his intention when, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, into your home, for it is through the Holy Spirit that this child has been conceived in her. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awake, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took his wife into his home. He had no relations with her until she bore a son, and he named him Jesus. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Beginning on December 17th, the church and the liturgy takes a decided, a decided turn towards preparing more immediately for the, for the birth of Christ in Bethlehem. And so we hear in the Gospels, particularly of this week, of the infancy narrative, those things that prepared for Christ to come when he came his, the first time. And what's characteristic of this week is the O antiphons that we hear in the Alleluia verse, in which we sing in the Liturgy of the Hours at evening prayer. We, we, we sing that hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, which is, composes all those O antiphons. And if you were to take each one of those titles, of the O antiphons, and write them backwards, it would spell a word in Latin called arrow cross, which means I am coming soon, or even to the sense I am coming tomorrow. So by the time you get to December 24th, then all of us, God willing, are ready to receive the Lord when he comes. The O Antiphon takes up what we translated in English as O Leader of the House of Israel, but in, it would also be translated as Adonai. And particularly the word Adonai, which stems from the word El Roy, means the God who sees me. That the God that Moses encountered at the burning bush the, the one that also gave him the law is the one who sees us. And he's come to rescue us with his mighty power. It's interesting that first reading from the book of the prophet Jeremiah, he basically says that, our, that God's righteousness would be poured out upon us and that he would come and free us just as he had freed the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. Now he would bring them back in a very similar way, a new exodus, of course, to bring them back to the land of, from, from which they had been exiled. For us, our exile is away from God, where he sees us 
but we have very great difficulty seeing him. But now Christ has reconciled us with God and has, has brought us salvation and, and redemption and renewal. And so in that first reading, it also talks about that God's righteousness, that he would, this, he would uh, have this branch, this stem, which would again fill the earth with God's righteousness. And where do we see that righteousness in the gospel? Well, of course, in the son that is going to be born, the son of righteousness, Jesus Christ, but also in his humble servant, Joseph. Joseph, this wonderful man, who is the foster father of Jesus Christ, his guardian and protector, a righteous man. What is righteous? Well, sometimes it has a negative connotation in our own day. We think of righteousness as self-righteousness. Or rather, righteousness as being, for a Jew, was following the law. And if I would follow the law, then I know that I, could be, I would be close to God, that God would bless me. And Joseph, of course, had this tremendous desire and lived it well to be a righteous man, to, to walk in the ways of God. And so when he finds, of course, Mary to be pregnant, and he knows it's not him, he doesn't understand why this has happened, he, he's going to div divorce her quietly because he is a righteous man. That would be something that a Jew would do. It's only through this dream that he receives that he recognizes that something greater is happening. I often think the figure of Joseph is somebody we could learn from today, particularly his silence. Um, he is not quoted as saying anything in the Gospels. Of course, he must have said the name Jesus because it says that he would name the child Jesus. And we can imagine and even picture the disappointment that he must have felt when he, when, at, the, at the apparent infidelity of his fiancée. We also see in his silence the deliberation on what he, what he should do. He thought about it. He probably thought about it for a while. Um, once he got over the emotion of being upset or just sort of confused. But after all the thinking, he made a decision, and it kept, becomes one of the most important decisions in salvation history, is he decides to sleep on it. I think that for us as men, that's important. About when we're going to make a major decision in our life, he slept on it. He paused. And in that pause, it allowed God to come and to, to do something different. It allowed his mind to open up to let the king of glory in. And we too, when we are considering making a decision, if we would just pause in silence, with it a few minutes sometimes before hitting that send button or that email or text message that, we, that we're not sure we should send to sleep on it before we act, thereby giving God the opportunity to propose, suggest, to even dream of something greater, another avenue. It also shows that God comes through many times right at the last moment, but he comes through. And we need to be ready and open to accept whatever direction God wants to take us in. So this way, St. Joseph reveals not only his righteousness, his closeness to God, but his obedience of faith. As soon as he woke up, he did as the angel had commanded him. It wasn't like, well, was that real or not? No, he knew. He knew somehow through this dream, he knew this was real. This was truly a message from God, and he set out immediately to do it. May St. Joseph help us to recognize that God sees us always, Adonai, but also to walk in the way of righteousness is to be close to God, and to be close to God is to have that obedience of faith, that we walk with God 
obeying him as he reveals himself to us. And in this way, we can glorify God in our life, and it best prepares us for this Christmas season. Amen. As we prepare our hearts to celebrate the birth of Christ, let us turn to the Father with our prayers and petitions. For Pope Francis and the Church throughout the world, that all will be blessed as they continue their mission to proclaim the gospel to the ends of the earth. Let us pray to the Lord. For all who gather to celebrate the Eucharist today, that sharing the bread from heaven, they may have the fullness of life. Let us pray to the Lord. For all who have lost heart, those who have grown weary, that their love of Christ will be renewed as they prepare to celebrate his birth. Let us pray to the Lord. For our own community, that our Advent preparations will help each of us to draw closer to God. Let us pray to the Lord. For the sick, the suffering, the homeless, and those who go hungry, that we may always recognize the Christ who lives in them and share with them the gifts that God has given to us. Let us pray to the Lord. For the intentions we hold in our hearts to those who are joining us online and through Guadalupe Radio uh, Network, that we may follow the Lord in that obedience of faith and St. Joseph assist us in our journey to welcome Christ into our hearts. Let us pray to the Lord. God, our Father, you have made us your sons and daughters in Christ Jesus. Help us to live by that truth as we await his coming. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. For through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you, fruit of the earth and work of human hands, will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you, fruit of the vine and work of human hands, become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God. Pray, dearly beloved, that my sacrifice to yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the sacrifice to be offered to you, O Lord, make us acceptable to your name, that we may merit for all eternity to be the companions of Christ, by whose death our own mortality was healed, who lives and reigns forever and ever. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. 
Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord. For all the oracles of the prophets foretold him. The Virgin Mother longed for him with love beyond all telling. John the Baptist sang of his coming and proclaimed his presence when he came. It is by his gift that already we rejoice at the mystery of his nativity, so that he may find us watchful in prayer and exultant in his praise. And so with angels and archangels, with thrones and dominions, and with all the hosts and powers of heaven, we sing the hymn of your glory, as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Plenis Uncheli et Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them, upon them like the dewfall so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and giving thanks broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, Take this all of you and eat of it, for this is my body which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, 
that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the blessed apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the, throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us offer to the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccatamundi, Miserere nobis, Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccatamundi, Miserere nobis, Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccatamundi, Dona nobis pace. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy. You should enter under my roof. Only say the word and my soul shall be. For those joining us online and through Guadalupe Radio, let us pray together the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. 
I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Oh, how our rose-hair blooming from tender stem hath sprung, of Jesse's lineage coming as seers of old have sung, it came a blossom bright. Amid the cold of winter, when half spent was the night. Let us pray. May we receive your mercy in the midst of your temple, O Lord and show fitting honor to the coming solemnities of our redemption through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The King shall come when morning dawns and bright and light triumphant breaks when beauty gilds the eastern hills and life to joy awakes not as of old a little child to suffer and to die but crowned with glory like the sun that lights the morning sky. The King St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. 
prayer of deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Transmitting the treasures of our Catholic faith to your radio every day. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul.